each year we pick a new area to go explore. So just because it's it's you know what happens if us, our spot gets hit by a fire mm -hmm. what happens if it really gets inundated with people you know so we're always looking for backup plans but but also too i learned a while ago that don't fall so in love with a place that you're not willing to go check out something else because oh, yeah, you might 100%. find another spot that is is way better than where you've been hunting when i'm looking to a new area i want to find a place that like i said has good elk habitat has a good kind of central location that I can park that trailer and then areas that I can get around to cover some country with night bugles, but then has good access, whether that's off of a motorcycle trail or, you know, a hiking trail to get in there. Not not an ATV. I don't want to go in on my side by side. I, I want to go in on foot or right. on these motorcycle. Wait. So one of the things that we really do, especially early in the year during during silent periods, is we really slow down and we hunt areas instead of hunting elk. I mean, we we know they're in this area. We know they bed down close or it may be a travel corridor, a feed area, whatever it is. We know the elk are there. So instead of running and gunning and covering a bunch of ground, we slow down and we, we, we really work these areas. And we work these areas with calling scenarios. I think one of the most underutilized sounds out there is a calf sound. That calf sound, it's non-threatening. It plays on the maternal instincts of any cow that's in the area. And if you play on the maternal instinct of the cow and the cow comes, who do you think is going to follow that cow? That bull. That bull is going to follow the cow and see what's going on also. Hey guys, real quick before we get into this episode, I need you to do me a couple of favors. First go give us a review on iTunes. Can't stress it enough. It's really, really important for me to help keep this free and to help me keep it going. Next, get involved with your hunting rights. Go join Howl for Wildlife. Super simple. Takes a couple minutes. You can even do the free membership. I don't care, but be involved. Lastly, I want you to do yourself a favor and up your shooting game go get you some Phoenix shooting bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%. That's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, we are going to talk to my buddy, Michael Batiste. We're going to talk a little bit about elk hunting and uh, pick his brain a little bit. What's going on, man? Oh, counting, counting down to the days of the season. It seems like, uh, God, it's going to be here before we know it. This, I, I feel like this is the first season of hunting period, not just the elk season, but hunting period that has snuck up on me. Mm -hmm. You heard me and Charles talking earlier about me going to California and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to go now because like I waited like till now it's freaking July 3rd. And, yeah. uh, you know, the season starts in like 15 days. So, um, oh. yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I know it's, it's, you know, looking at the time of the year and, and I don't have any trail cameras out yet, anything. And of course, you know, I, I just got, uh, married two weeks ago. So, you know, focusing on the wedding and all that stuff Dummy. really I mean, took cool. a focus. Thank you. Thank you. So, but, but yeah, but it, it, it took a lot of focus and now, 
yeah, you're exactly right. All of a sudden it's like, holy crap, it's it's first of July, opening days here in you know two months. Mm-hmm. Still have so much to do. Gotta get trail cameras out, scout new areas. I just yeah, there's it's gonna be uh busy, busy, busy weekends for rest of July and August. Yeah, for sure. Got your work cut out for you. Yeah, but that's all right though. We'll we'll make it happen. Yep. That's for sure. I'm all I don't really have anything in state for me, so I really can't go scouting. It's too much of an undertaking to go out of state to go scout. Um, yeah. So I'm just gonna have to take it in stride. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm. I'm. At least I'm pretty fortunate with that. With you know living living within a couple of hours of of the hunt area and can run up and I mean there's there there's been times where you know get done with work from the normal job at the end of the day and have everything in the truck and just do a quick bonsai trip up just to do an evening glassing session or something and get home a little bit later. Got to sacrifice a little bit of sleep here and there, but yep. got to do what we got, got to do what we got to do sometimes. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, I miss having the ability to go do that. Like I, Arizona's gotten really tough to kind of get tags. So even unless we have a client or something like that, that we know that we're going hunting and, you know, that's about the only time we go out scouting now. I don't even scout anymore. That and coupled with the fact that I know so many spots so well <laughs> after hunting yep. it for so many, you know, 30 plus years, I, uh, you know, it's kind of, unless I'm just going out to see what's, what's you know, there to, taking, yeah, to make an inventory. Yeah, exactly. Then I really don't need to. And, and, and that's, that's really what more of our scouting trips are. But I mean, each year we pick a new area to go explore. So just cause it's, it's, you know, what happens if us, our spot gets hit by a fire? Mm-hmm. What happens if it really gets inundated with people? You know, so we're always looking for backup plans. But but also, too, I learned a while ago that, you know, don't fall so in love with a place that you're not willing to go check out something else. Because oh, yeah, you might 100%. find another spot that is is way better than where you've been hunting. Absolutely. This actually leads me into my first question that I had for you. So what is your game plan when you're going into a new area? You know, really the, the game plan is, is, you know, I, I, I always scout areas first from home online, you know, using tools, you know, Onyx is, is what I use a bunch, but also fat map is another tool that I love using quite a bit because I can establish Northeastern facing slopes really, really quick from a 10,000 foot view and then just, you know, zoom in. But from the e-scouting it's it's looking on areas that has you know good elk habitat you know it's got your your good southern facing feed areas it's got your northeastern facing slopes it has a decent amount of water but also to access you know how many how many atb and four-wheeler trails are there how many roads are there how far in between the roads and i i don't really backcountry hunt like i used to Mm -hmm. um I mean, in my 20s and 30s, it was, you know, seven, eight miles back in the backcountry for, you know, extended periods. And, you know, it's kind of funny now that I've gotten a little bit older and, and I picked up my first camp trailer. 
I, I kind of like those creature comforts of that that bed and that shower. You I hate to say you don't need to tell me, man. <laughs> so, but the but the other thing that I found too with this is now by having that base camp, being strategic about where I place it, now I can get in the road and drive, you know, jump in the truck and drive 15, 20 miles north or 15, 20 miles south. And I can cover a much larger area because, you know, night bugling is something that I just love doing. And we call it going fishing. Same. And, and, and so when I'm looking to a new area, I want to find a place that, like I said, has good elk habitat, has a good kind of central location that I can park that trailer. And then areas that I can get around to cover some country with night bugles but then has good access, whether that's off of a motorcycle trail or, you know, a hiking trail to get in there. Not, not an ATV. I don't want to go in on my side by side. I, I want to go in on foot or right. on these motorcycles. But, but you want access to get there with the truck to that area with the truck where yep. you could start. Yeah. And I'm the yep. same way. I love yep. looking for stuff like that because you're casting such a larger net mm-hmm. when I feel like if you're backpack hunting yeah you're mobile yeah you can get in and start closer to where the action might be but you're also putting all your eggs in one basket you are and i hate that that drives me insane i I lose sleep over at night like yeah because i I mean you get into those areas and something happens i mean you're you're a good solid full day to get out of there and get to someplace else to be able to pack back in and you know resume your hunt but a hundred percent, I think the majority of the reason why I don't do it is because of the creature comforts. Now, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I've, I've they call me soft, whatever. But I've I don't sleep well as it is, and you know, I don't sleep well in my own house with my own freaking bed and my own pillow. I'm definitely <laughs> not gonna sleep better on a freaking bedroll, you know, yeah, yep, <laughs> a yep. pad and a sleeping bag on the, in a teepee or anything like that. So, I mean, I'll do it when I have to. Yep. But I'd we, yeah, we we still do some little spike camps, you know, just just for you know short two three day stints. And in fact, usually that's kind of how we start the season, you know, because our our seasons in Idaho run August thirtieth to September thirtieth, and so mm-hmm. you know that that Labor Day weekend has so many people in the mountains and so many people joyriding that we'll we'll usually spike camp in and just to avoid all the crowds and everything else. That makes sense. I mean, get uh, you got to do what you got to do, you know? Yep. And then basically once I have that area, you know, scouted online, then I start dropping pins for access points, possible camping locations. And then it's, then it's boots on the ground time. You know, there's, there's been a lot of times that I've looked at areas online that looked phenomenal. And then as soon as I get boots on the ground in there, it looks like there hasn't been an elk in that area since 1910. I mean, it's just so void and it just, it it blows your mind. It's like, man, this is some of the most pristine elk country I've ever laid eyes on, but there's just no animals. And then of course, then the mind starts going, you know, why, why aren't they here? What pushed them out? Yeah. hundred percent. Plus, looking at new area and new country is always cool because Idaho is pretty unique because different different parts of the state has different kind of ecosystems, the way the forest is set up. 
mm-hmm. and in the look and the feel and everything of it changes. And so it's, it's, it's kind of cool just to see those different landscapes. Yeah. I'm, I've always had that, uh, I guess, I don't know, wonderlust or something. I know it's like, I, I like to see what things are. I like to explore, you know, that adventure, I guess, of, yep. Yep. of a new place. Yeah. I am not ashamed to say that I am a wilderness explorer. Yeah. It's, but you know, the, the, I think the guys that enjoy that, I don't know. I, I haven't followed you closely enough to know what kind of caliber of elk you've taken. I just know that you're a successful guy, but I feel like the guys that commit a lot of time to specific areas typically have a better track record on trophy and get quote unquote, you know, bigger animals, but Mm -hmm. the guys that are like you and me that, you know, want to see different places and, and experience that. I feel like, I feel like I'm one of those guys and, and, and without knowing you that well, I mean, you've had, I've had you on the podcast a couple of times. We've been friends for a number of years, but without, I've, I've never hunted with you. I just ha- having conversation with you. I feel like you're like me or like you're one of those guys that could go anywhere and find success because you're used to grabbing experiences from seeing different things and you know putting them together and making them work yeah I, I, absolutely i mean I, to me it's 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 the hunt of a whole I, I i mean it's not just you know the size of animal that's on the ground it's it's the sights and the sounds and the smells and the memories with friends and the camaraderie and plus i have i have a, a knack if there is a funky horned bull anywhere in an area i am going to find that funky horn bull mm-hmm. and and i always joke all the time you know during seminars i used to you know say it quite a bit that you know anybody can go out and shoot a classic clean six by six that's stinking easy but to get a funky horn bull like there was there was a, a a little five by five that i took in in montana a few years back that he had a bunch of dried velvet Mm. on his antlers with shards of that velvet hanging out. And, and I'm like, how many times are you going to get an opportunity to take a bull like that? You know, with that dried velvet, mm. you know, a, a, a six point that, I mean, he's, you know, a 270, you know, bull, his, his G ones are almost growing together and touching. I was oh, like, man, cool. that, and, and so now it's like, God, what would have happened if during velvet, if those would have actually come together, would they have fused together? You know, then it starts making, you know, how, how would that look? I've, I've got another bull that, you know, his tops on his right side looks like a three pronged pitchfork, but it has a deep pocket in between one of them that for some reason it just didn't fill in with bone. So, so yeah, you, unique odd antlers. I'm, I'm going to find those guys. So what's kind of funny is I do not have a single bull that scores well enough for the record books but everybody I've ever hunted with and called for has at least one bull that scored well enough for the books. And I'm completely fine with that. I just, I love calling for other people and, and I like eating elk yeah. and yeah, I have been blessed with, uh, there hasn't been too many years that I can probably count them on one hand 
since I've started elk hunting in 1988 that I didn't fill a tag. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I'm going to talk about the actual hunt. When it's slow, you're not hearing bugles. Maybe it's earlier in the season, Mm -hmm. hot, whatever the case may be. Yep. What are some of the things that you are doing to tip the odds in your favor? So one of the things that we really do, especially early in the year during during silent periods, is we really slow down and we hunt areas instead of hunting elk. I mean, we we know they're in this area. We know they bed down close or it may be a travel corridor, a feed area, whatever it is. We know the elk are there. So instead of running and gunning and covering a bunch of ground, we slow down and we we, we really work these areas. And we work these areas with calling scenarios. You know, we're, we start telling stories, you know, whether, whether it's a, a cow that got separated and, and she's doing a lot of, ty- you know, inviting type sounds that are asking for a response or asking for elk to come to you, you know, a lot of emotion. It, it, it creates a lot of excitement in, in the air. And we may not get a lot of bugles back, but we get a lot of responses by elk coming to us. You know, the other thing we may do is is do a breeding sequence type scenario that, you know, emulates a bull that has a hot cow. And, and you know, depending on the day, we, we may, because there's sometimes where we hunt in, in a group of three, and we may do two shooters and one caller to where somebody is designated as the main caller that's doing, you know, the bull with the hot cow. And then that other caller is a satellite bull that's coming in trying to get, you know, his his chance with that cow mm-hmm. and then it then it creates that rivalry between the two bulls but but yeah we we basically just focus on scenarios to build excitement and curiosity so that those elk that are in the area that we know they're there they hear what's going on and creates that curiosity of to where man i need to go check this out but the other thing that we'll do too Especially if we're in an area that, you know, it's, you know, here in Idaho, we have a lot of areas that's over the counter public access. So you get a lot of people and you get a lot of people that do that running and gunning of cow calling, bugling, cow calling, bugling, and they're just covering ground. We'll get into some of these areas and we won't even make a bugle. We won't even, I mean, we focus on low audible sounds with, you know, huffs and grunts and raking, Mm -hmm. you know, things, things that don't travel very far right they they don't tip the scales to how big of an elk you are but man they create a lot of curiosity because because elk know the voices of you know the elk in their area they've they've grown up around them just like you know we all have different voices they recognize that and so you come into a silent area like this and there's times that you know you're introducing a new bull and, and, you know, some of these bulls that live in there, like, you know what, we've already got enough competition in here. I don't really want to deal with a new dude. I, I, I'm just going to slip out and go someplace else. But with doing these low audible sounds like the huffs, grunts, and raking, you don't tip anything and they don't know who it is. And so that creates a lot of, lot of curiosity where they're like, oh, I'm going to go see who the heck that is, you know, over there beating up on that tree. Right. And so it's, and, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, just, you know, slow down and work those areas. And, and we may stay in an area for an hour 
you know, work in, work in these different, different scenarios. It makes a lot of sense, you know? Yeah. Basically giving them something that they're, they're expecting to hear, but mm-hmm. something that's not necessarily going to alarm them. Like you're, yeah. 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 It's, it's not threatening in, in any ways. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I think one of the most underutilized sounds out there is a calf sound. Yeah. I've heard that. I mean, I've heard that a lot from a lot of successful guys. And I've always used well, calf sounds or uh, even before I knew I was using calf sound. I just tend to have a higher pitched cow calls. Yep. <laughs> Cause yeah, a little, little higher, a little shorter, but, but no, I mean that, that calf sound, it, it, it's non-threatening. It plays on the maternal instincts of any cow that's in the area. And if you play on the maternal instinct of the cow and the cow comes, who do you think is going to follow that cow? That bull. That bull is going to follow the cow and see what's going on also. I mean, so I, I just think it's such an underutilized sound that, that a lot of people would probably have a lot more success if they learned how to do the calf sound the right way. Right. Right. One of the things that I started doing, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I started using the mini diaphragms. Mm-hmm. And just by nature, they are higher pitched, like more calf sounding. Yep. So... You know, I usually keep three diaphragms with me. I keep one that I do most of my bugling on. Now, I could, oh, not the mini, but the my two large diaphragm, normal size diaphragms, I can bugle with them. I could cow call with the, both of them. But one I prefer to bugle with because it's just deeper. And then ones, you know, I use typically for my calf sounds. But then I, I'll keep that mini on me as as like my, my calf and cow deal. But... Uh, I don't know. I found that it's worked pretty good. I saw, I saw some, like I had a really good opportunity this past year in Colorado where I was back in trees and I could see the, the bull and the cow, uh, that, that was with them because they were in like an open meadow and they would just dip back to the trees that were on the other side every once in a while, but not like, not far enough that I couldn't, I could see their reactions to when I was mm-hmm. calling and how the cow came look running over, looking like looking for a calf mm-hmm. uh, when I started calling. So I was like, oh, you know, this definitely, definitely tug it on the right, uh, the right heartstrings here with this one, yep. you know? And um, yeah. Anyway, that's my two cents on top of what you said. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and actually Phelps game calls has a, little that's what i use calf. mini app oh you they have so, a calf one yeah it's 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 an actual small short it's kind of like a clear clear external call that has a little bit of white mist into it but that thing is so soft and produces the most realistic calf sounds and and so you know for for somebody that doesn't want to switch up diaphragms or somebody that can't use a diaphragm Man, that little that little calf call from Phelps. It's, is, like it's a bite I mean, and blow. It, yeah, you just okay. use lip pressure on it. Yeah, it's an it's an external read, but yeah, it it 
man, the sound that it just produces is just phenomenal. I remember when they came out with it and I bought it and I went up in the went up to film a, a review on it and just listening to that thing in the mountains and it's it's never left my pack since. Nice. Nice. Oh actually yeah, I just pulled it up. Young and calf call. Yep. Yep. I see it. Okay. Yeah. Now I've I've never been one for these externals and not because I'm you know for any reason that I hate having a bunch of shit. Right. It's just one more thing to get. Yeah, I hate things around my neck. I don't want more things in my pockets. Um, so like once I learned how to use the diaphragm, how many, many years ago, I like never looked back cause I was like, yeah, this is brainless. But as far as a bite and blow or external type, Primo's makes one called the cowgirl. Yep, I don't know if you yep. ever use that one or not, but that one is, oh, yeah. it don't make calf sounds, but it's something about that. <laughs> it's almost sometimes I like to call it a kazoo. <laughs> it's always almost <laughs> kazoo, kazoo sounding at times, but it, for some reason, elk love it. I don't know. Yeah, there, there is just something about. In fact, I, I, I remember two, three years ago, mm-hmm. I was doing a few seminars with Wayne Carlton. It was kind of Wayne's farewell tour, and we got we got matched up on several locations, and it, it, we were. You know, listening to him on an external, I, I'm just like, I would never blow an external cow call like that. But then all of a sudden I'm like, but this is Wayne stinking Carlton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I should blow on an external, you know, like that. But no, nah, it's 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 funny what, what we think, you know, sounds good and what we think is going to produce. You know, we never know. I, I remember one time I was on a I was on a hunt. And I had the old uh, Woodwise Hyperhot mm-hmm. call. So that, that tells you how many years ago that, that was because, you know, that call was popular. But was on a hunt, and I, I heard a bear tearing apart a log just down the hill from me. And I had already been calling in this place. I had been bugling and cow calling and nothing. And I said, you know what? I got a bear tag in my pocket. I'm going to pull out this Woodwise. I'm going to do a dying jackrabbit on this Woodwise, and I'm going to call up this bear. I started doing this dying jackrabbit and next thing I know, I've got four bulls that are flat out screaming at me on <laughs> the edges of those meadow. And, and I had already been calling there trying to get answers. And so it just, it just goes to show you, you never know what's going to be a response. And I think it's that, it, that high pitch shrill that kind of makes your ears ring a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what kind of gets them going. I got an anecdotal to go along exactly with the same thing that you said. We were in, I was in Wyoming. I had just killed my uh, deer and this is late season. So like November, beginning of November. Mm-hmm. And I had my Fox pro and decided to make a stand, try calling some coyotes and I was doing some, I don't know, rabbitous dress type call or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. And then two minutes later, you know, after running this, I started getting bulls calling back. <laughs> and then a whole herd of elk came in to that, like cows and bulls, probably like 30 of them. Yeah. Crazy. To that call looking for it. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> This is new. 
but you know i've never yeah, tried to I'm, use it again but that was... i was just gonna say i haven't either but now i'm thinking man maybe this year i might just get some areas and <laughs> just do, right? just throw it just throw do it some jack there. yeah do do some rabbit squeals and, and see what see what happens yeah for sure that's crazy <laughs> you always second person now that I've heard say that. And I was like, no, I'm starting to think there might be something to do this. And then have to try and that, that's the same thing my brain was doing. Man, they, yeah, there might be something about this that, that yeah. might have to try. So that's funny. That's funny. Who knows? I might, I might, might develop a new calling sequence this year. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll call it the dying rabbit. There you go. <laughs> so, um, Let's see. I had a couple questions for you. Oh, I get this question thrown at me a lot, and and I've gotten this scenario myself a lot. And you know, I I have what I do, but it's not always. I don't know. I don't think anything is one hundred percent, you know, effective. But right. You consistently have a bull. Like I mean, every time you make a peep, he answers back. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you move in on him. You get to a certain point, whatever, 200 yards, 150 yards, and you call at him again, and now he answers right back. So you start moving in, and you get to about where you think he was, and now he's – and so you call to find out where he's at, and now he's five or 600 yards further away. Mm -hmm. I want to do this two different ways. Okay. The first, first give it to me when he has cows. And second, when that bull does not have cows, what are you okay. throw, what are you throwing at him? They kind of intertwine together. You know, we we call these bulls catch me if you can, and and you're going to have these bulls in in every area. But the first thing that I'm going to do is I, I'm going to kind of listen and see what is he answering back to, and how is he answering. And if if he's responding to bugles, and then you know as soon as I start moving in, and then he's five six hundred yards away. We do this dance a couple of times. After a couple of times, I'm going to be like, okay, he's what we call a keyboard warrior, meaning he's sitting in mom's basement and very, very tough on the keyboard with responses Mm -hmm. from a distance. But as soon as you start getting close, he's not that tough anymore. And usually what that tells me is either one, it's a younger age class bull or two, it's an older bull that's just not in the mood to fight. So he's going to avoid confrontation. And, and so then I'm going to start kind of testing him a little bit. Can I get him to respond to cow sounds or can I get him to respond to less threatening type of elk sounds? And that's where, you know, maybe, maybe from a bugle, I'm going to switch to kind of a huff, grunt and whine type response. It doesn't really show how big I am mm-hmm. and see if that's, see if that's going to let me get a little closer. The hard part that a lot of people do is when they go into this scenario where they have this encounter with this bull, they have it in their mind. We, we as hunters have it in our mind, how this encounter is going to go, mm-hmm. which sorry, <laughs> that bull has something a lot of times completely different in their mind of how this is going to go. But yet we continue to force the situation and do what we want instead of adjusting what we're doing into the information we're getting back from that bull. Right. Um, now, if I'm close enough that, you know, I can hear cows and know that he has cows, then that's where I'm going to kind of switch the mode into, you know, especially if he grabbed the cows and bumped away 
Now, I may go to him acting like one of his cows is kind of straggling back behind and I'm not sure where the herd is. And so I'm going to kind of start getting into that that lost cow with kind of some assembly muse or regathering muse that's, you know, basically, hey, where is everybody? Where did you go? Somebody let me know where you're at. And in a lot of times that can get that bull to let us guard down and go, man, she's lagging behind. She doesn't know where she's at. I need to go grab her before another bull slips her up, you know, slips her up and, and grabs her and mm-hmm. makes her part of, part of their group. Now, have and you had six? I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, no, you're fine. I feel like this question is good to ask right here at this point. Um, have you had, more or less success with that or do you not know if you had already introduced a bull previously like this is your second or third go around at this elk you know it's 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 been kind of you know 50 50 sometimes with going with that lost cow trying to catch back up to the herd gets him to come back the other times i've had to take it a step further to where i'm acting like the lost cow cow trying to find the herd and then I go back to that bull that we introduced acting like that bull is trying to hook this cow. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, this, this bull that is, you know, he's frustrated. You, you, you can hear it and what he's doing. He's hitting her with these roundup bugles and he's trying to hook her and she's just, yeah, you know, she's really aggravated just telling, telling this other bull to get away. You know, she wants this other bull and that has sometimes made that bull that's running all of a sudden flip the switch that now he's ready to fight. He wants to fight because he's going to defend his cow. He's worked hard to gather up these cows and dang it, he's not about to lose one here. Mm-hmm. The, the, the tricky thing with this is you need to be closer than that five, 600 yards. And that's, that's the key right there. I think another mistake that a lot of people make is, you know, they get that bull to respond at, at, at five, 600 yards and they start slipping in and maybe they only move up a hundred, 150. And we're always like, Hey, let's just, let's check on him. Let's, let, let's see where he's at. And we're kind of calling to him as we're moving in. Well, that's allowing him to extend that cushion, extend that comfort zone. And, and so what works best is, is moving in as close as you can before you start doing you you want to be close enough that because he has the option to fight or flight because you're five six hundred yards away and he's not in the mood to fight he's going to choose flight every time he's just going to take him and go but if you shorten that distance and you burst his comfort bubble to where he doesn't have an option Mm -hmm. that's what has to happen get in there close but that's that tricky thing too that you know you get in close, you bust that bugle out really, really loud. That could also intimidate him to where he runs. So what I do a lot of times when I get in close is I will introduce the cow sound first, just soft cow sound, make it seem like, you know, his group's kind of milling around a little bit and then introduce that bull because then you kind of introduce this where this bull has slipped in on the edge of his herd without him knowing it. Mm-hmm. And the only, the only option he has is to come contend with that bull. Right. Right. Oh, now the second part, what if he yeah. doesn't have cows? Exactly. So if he doesn't have cows, it, it's, it's, 
again, I, I'm paying attention to how he's responding to me. Is he responding to bugles or is he responding to cow calls? And, and, and again, this is the mistake that a lot of people make because they'll, they'll get a bull to respond and we immediately want to bugle back because everybody wants to have those bugle encounters. But we may fail that, man, he's really only answering a cow call. We didn't, we didn't catch that little nugget that, yeah, he was responding. And, and it may be, too, that you've got to test a few times and oh, he periodically replies to a bugle, but a majority of the time he's replying to a cow call then we've got to adjust because they'll kind of let you know what kind of mindset they're in. Are they in a gathering mode? Are they in a fight mode? Are they just in a, I'm going to stay in one space and advertise and see what elk in the area come to me mode. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and if we can pay attention to the responses that we're getting back, then we can adjust what we're doing to increase our chances for an encounter with that elk. And, um, I, I used to be the same way in my career. I tried to force everything. I had it in my mind exactly how every encounter was going to go. I was going to do the same thing. And, and I, I, I ran into an old timer one time and we were talking and, and he looked at me and he says, how can you write a book for a story that hasn't even happened? Right. And I kind of, you know, I kind of looked at him and I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, every encounter with every elk is different. You can't expect to do the same thing every single time and have the exact same result. If, if you do, if you have that approach, you're, you're limiting yourself on the number of encounters that you can have and your chances for success go down quite a bit. So if you have the ability to adapt to every situation by listening to how the bull is responding and listening to, you know, what he's responding to, mm-hmm then you can adjust. And, and so, yeah, if he doesn't have cows, I'm going to, I'm going to throw all different things. I'm going to do location bugles. I'm going to do cow sounds. I'm going to do calf sounds. I'm going to do some raking, you know, some, some huffs and grunts. Just, I want to see exactly what his mindset, I'm kind of almost taking his temperature Mm -hmm. to see what he's responding to. And then I'm going to adjust based on those responses. Okay. Well, that leads me into my next question really well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you, so what are some of the things that you're listening for? Like w- w- when a bull is responding to whatever you're throwing out there, what are you listening for and how are you, I guess, I guess responding to him, you know, what are, yeah, I kinda, what, yeah, what, kinda you, what, I'm, what, what am I doing with that info? Yes, exactly. So basically what I'm listening for is, is intensity. Mm-hmm. How is he, how is he responding? Um, you know, here's a prime example. Uh, a few years back, Bryce and I were heading out for an evening hunt. We were going to go to a, a closed gate and hike back this gated road. And, and when we got there, there was already a vehicle there. And we're that type of person. You know what? If you beat us to that trailhead, if you beat us to that gated road, congratulations, that's yours. We're not going to come in after you. It, it just doesn't do anybody good. So so we decided we were going to go fishing and go bugle in some new areas and see what we can kind of muster up. And, you know, we didn't really have a lot of high hopes for that evening. It's like, you know, let's, let's just go see if we can find some elk for tomorrow morning's hunt. Then we know exactly where we're going. And we had hit quite a few spots and we, we stopped at this one spot that we had been in earlier in the year. And we knew that there was a six point with a dozen cows and that there was a, a five by five and a couple of spikes 
all kind of living in this area. So, you know, basically you've got your herd bull with cows and your, your satellite bulls. And so we, we got to the spot. And one thing I always do when I get to a locate spot is I always do cow sounds first because it, it kind of gets the reed warmed up. Plus, if there's something close by, a cow sound is not as loud and, and as intimidating as a bugle. Even, even, even a locate bugle can, mm-hmm. can be loud, especially if an elk is close by. And, and it goes from you know, silent to this huge scream. And so, so I let out a couple of, couple of cow calls. And from down in the bottom of the drop, yeah! got this response. And so, and in fact, Bryce didn't even grab his bow out of the truck. He's like, let's just go see if anything's here for the morning. So as soon as we got the bugle, he started running back, you know, 150 yards to the truck to grab his bow. I moved up a little bit. I let out a location bugle and all I got back was this little response right okay so so i moved up a little more i did the cow sounds again really excited just full of energy and i did the locate bugle again so i immediately knew this was probably the five by five satellite bull that probably got his butt kicked a time or two by the six point he doesn't want to be around any elk he's just lonely and looking for friends so i'm just going to give him cow sounds and at that point bryce caught up to me we got set up in the shooter caller scenario and I just did cow sounds. You know, I, I did these inviting type sounds that are asking him to come to me and, Hey, I recognize, I hear you. And that dude came on a string from the bottom of the draw up this old cut road to 18 yards from Bryce and Bryce zipped him. Mm. And it's kind of funny what I, I was back behind Bryce and it was funny because they had, they had been, did a little bit of uh, logging in there. And so there was two trees and a stump that were perfect the way they were laying with the stump that almost formed a natural recliner. Oh, nice. and, and I'm sitting here reclined back. I have my hands behind my head with my arms up and I'm just cow calling. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just, just begging this bull to come in. And Bryce turns around and looks at me and he's like, what the heck are you doing? And, and I'm like, I'm, you know, we're, we're mouthing this. We're not actually talking. And I'm like, I'm, I'm calling elk. What do you, what are you doing? And he just shakes his head and turns back around. But, but after he shoots this bull, I go down to him and, and he's like, what, what were you doing? Mm-hmm. And I go, what do you, what, what do you care? What do you mean? I, it worked, right? <laughs> well, well, no. And he goes, he goes, you didn't bugle once. All you did was, was, you know, the cow routine. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I said, you were running back to the truck to get your bull, your bow when I was doing all the information gathering. I said, this dude would answer cow sounds extremely excited, but he was really, really timid on the bull sounds. So that immediately told me that this was the five point satellite bull that was looking for cows. And so I just gave him what he wanted, you know, based on those couple of responses. And you can gather that information really, really quick. And, and so, um, you know, other, other times where I've done that cow call and a bull has hit me with a roundup bugle. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, that bull is telling me to, to come to him, I'm still going to do a little bit of test. And that's where sometimes I'll introduce a huff, grunt and whine. Cause I want to see how he's going to re- going to respond to a bull. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I may get a charged up, you know, lip ball that's telling me to stay away at that point. So now I'm like, okay, 
So Cal sounds, he hit me with a roundup bugle. It's asking me to come to him. The bull sound, he responded with a lip ball, which is telling me to stay away. Well, I'm going towards him because now whether, whether he's going to respond to the cow call or he's going to respond to the, the bull, I'm still going to go towards him because one, if he is, if he is looking for cows on that roundup bugle, I'm going to want to get closer to him anyways, because I'm going to, you know, cut that distance to where I'm going to get to as close as I can to him. And then I'm going to hit him with that sound. And then I'm going to be very, very adamant at that point that if he keeps hitting me with the roundup bugle, now I'm going to be adamant of, you know, basically, dude, you asked me to come to you. I came 80% of the way. You're going to have to come the other 20. Yeah. I'm not coming all the way to you. You want a piece of this? You got to come, <laughs> come to me. Exactly. And that's very typical where, female, uh, <laughs> response yeah yeah uh, oh i'm i'm not just gonna give it that easy you're gonna have to work for this a little bit dude so but but no and the cool thing about that scenario too is because if that bull sits there and keeps hitting with that roundup bugle and he's gonna get more aggressive and more demanding with that roundup bugle because i'm not doing what he wants but the fact that i kind of introduced that bull earlier with huffs grunts and lines man now i can bring that bull back into the mix mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden that bull almost gets fomo fear of missing out mm -hmm. he's like holy crap i've been talking to this lady for 35 minutes she came part of the way most of the way she's not coming the rest of the way and now there's another bull with her and man his his aggression level can really go through the roof on that. And that's when you can really get that nice bugle in your face, knock your hat off, screaming fit with each other. But you forced him at that point that he has no fight or flight option. He only has fight. And where he already has some emotion invested with that cow, it makes it easier to get into that that fight mode. But so it's 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 always interpreting. It's it's always, you know, paying attention to the responses. And, you know, it's it's sometimes, too, that you can get bulls that, that respond to bugles, have no interest in cow sounds. Not at all. They're they're responding to the bugles. And, and then that's where you just start, okay, this dude is, is either looking for another bachelor to hang out with, or he is just flat out in that mode that, he wants to fight and he doesn't care who is who is around and that's where basically just start emulating him whatever sound he's doing throw that same sound back to him and you know i've, I've heard a lot of people sit there and say that oh you got to be careful with how big you sound on your bugle there is no way shape or form that we could ever sound like the biggest baddest bull on the on, right. on the mountain right i mean their their lung size their esophagus their depth i mean things that they get we just physically cannot replicate that 100 so i agree but by mimicking him and doing exactly what he's doing back and and i mean it's it's just almost like you just sit there and keep poking the bear poking the bear poking the bear and then eventually that bear you know he's had enough and then he's gonna let you know he's had enough because he's gonna uncork this bugle that like i said it's gonna knock your hat off and just you're gonna feel it and you're like holy cow it's on and he's gonna come and it's not gonna be this timid Bull coming in this is going to be eyes bulging snot rolling pissing all over themselves 
freight train coming down the freaking mountain because he is coming in to take care of business. And that is one of the most heart pounding adrenaline rush situations that you can ever be in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I don't want to give away uh, all your trade secrets because I know <laughs> I know you finally launched your website there. I know you were doing some stuff through Patreon a while for a while, but uh, you actually got the Elk Calling Academy up and running. Yep. Uh, yeah, the website, website and the online course. And I, I know you and I have talked about it, you know, for a little while now about getting this thing. And, and I know you've been kind of checking and, and and unfortunately I had the mindset that I had to get every single video done and edited and ready. And I was looking at it one day and I'm like, buddy, you have 54 instructional videos that are ready now. And you have five years worth of live Q and a replays to throw in this. So, so right now on the e-course there's, there's 54 instructional videos that go through all of the cow sounds, all of the bull sounds. I teach them on a diaphragm. I teach them on externals. So if somebody can't use a diaphragm read, you still have the ability to learn all these different sounds on externals. I also have practice sessions to where I do the sound, I pause so that, you know, you could do it back, then I do it, you do it, I do it, you do it, just just to help tune that ear. Um, I'm going through years and years of, of footage out on the hunts to grab actual elk doing these sounds and, and throwing them in. And, and so even though there's only 54 videos on there right now for instructional, I have another 40 plus videos that I'm currently, you know, each weekend when go up, you know, I, I try to film at least 10 new videos and get those edited and, and dropped on there. There's 20, 26 live Q and A's and the instructional videos are great, but I think the live Q and A sessions have so much more information and detail because you get in a group discussion scenario nice. that, that everybody and, and, and what's kind of cool too about the community that's on there. Cause a lot of the people from the Patreon page have gravitated over onto the new site, but a lot of them, you know, shared their experiences of, Hey, this is what I did with the breeding sequence. Hey, this is what I did with the inviting cow routine. And, and I, I did uh, a live Q and a two weeks ago with uh, Guy Duplanche from Western pod or Western contours podcast. Cause a couple of years ago, he and I really had that in-depth discussion of low audible sounds. Mm -hmm. And so he came in to talk about his experiences with low audible sounds and how he's incorporated those this this Wednesday, I'm bringing in uh, Mark Livesey from Treeline 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 for e scouting. Mm -hmm. That guy is the freaking man. And yeah. so, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to sitting down and talking with him about uh, live live e scouting. So, so yeah, we might have to flip the tables on here and have you come into where you can sit in the hot seat and I can fire questions to you about some of your experiences. Sounds good to me, man. Anytime you're ready. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, but yeah, it's 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 finally up and running at, at elkcallingacademy.com and, and, you know, everything's on there. You uh, can sign up for the online course and and uh, just get access to all this stuff. So a lot of these things that I was talking about with these these different sounds, um, they're all on there. And, and, and it's kind of funny, once you once you kind of start learning these, you realize that, that, a, that a cow mew 
is not just a calumny and a bugle is not just a bugle. You, right. you, you have, you, you have your bases that everything is built off of, mm-hmm. but there's, there's so many more different emotions that, you know, you can take the same sound and you can add a little bit of emotion to it. That and changes it the just, meaning. yeah, it does. It changes the meaning. It changes the urgency on it. I, I mean, you know, we see it, we see it in, I, I think one of the really good ways to learn elk behavior is to study human behavior. And if you take that human behavior and put it into a, an elk context, man, all of a sudden you start in understanding things a lot better. It's, you know, just, just like a parent asking their child, come here, come here, come here, come here now. Right. Elk yeah. have that same thing. Cows will do that same, the same exact thing with their, with their calves. So. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, I want to, I want to put this out there, guys. Uh, Michael has, uh, and the Elk Calling Academy have partnered up with Halifa Wildlife. Yep. And we're going to be offering a uh, dual membership where you um, become a member of Hal and you get the Elk Calling Academy online course included in your membership. So pretty awesome. Excited about that. And, yeah, um, very excited to be partnering with Hal. I mean, just such a great organization, and, and you know, to be to be asked with partner to partner with that, I'm just completely, completely humbled and, and excited for that partnership. Yeah, we're looking we're looking forward to it. That should be up actually, probably up by the time we, this uh, this airs. So, hopefully, uh, if you guys are in the market, you guys got an elk tag in your pocket and want to up your game. And jump on Half a Wildlife, hit the memberships, and uh, that Elk Calling Academy membership will be available there. And you'll be able to uh, get an in-depth, not just uh, 45 minutes worth of uh, of Mike's knowledge <laughs> in, in, in there. So. All right, there's man. a few hours. There's there's a few hours on there. So yeah, I just got to click a uh, click a few other buttons and and email that stuff over to you guys, and we will be. Uh, Good to go and live with all that. Yeah, excited. Awesome. Well, so I, thank you for coming on. Always a pleasure talking to you, man. Um, Absolutely. Enjoy yeah, let me know whenever you want me. Well, let, let me know whenever you want me to to uh, to put my two yeah. cents, and I'm I'm always happy. I I, I really enjoy being on the other side of it because <laughs> <laughs> I'm always on this side. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice yeah, to be. I, it, it, it's different. You know, I've always been on this side of things. And so, yeah, here, here within probably the last year, I've, I've started bringing, you know, guests on and it's, it's a little different. So, yeah, um, yeah but it's, sure. it's also a lot of fun. So yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll figure out a Wednesday. I'll uh, throw a few dates at you and we'll, uh, we'll get that figured out and have you on there as well. Sounds great, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Right. Talk to you soon. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor. Go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.